seekers, explorers, and renegades out there, welcome to another episode of the Alchemy Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Lemke. I think one of the more challenging encounters that we have in our journeys is that understanding that the experience we have on the exterior is not the actual experience. It is our perception of the experience that become the result of our experiences. However, once we get across this threshold of understanding, that is when life really opens up to us and we understand how we can allow life to flow through us rather than us trying to control the external environment that we perceive as being our life. In this episode, uh, we'll address some of these challenging uh, perceptions and topics that we have. And uh, I think it's important to remember that whatever your perception of reality is, is right. So whatever you're experiencing in your, or what you're perceiving as your experience is right, because that is the experience you're having. And then understanding that you have a choice as to how you perceive it and how you shift it afterwards. So just because you perceived something to be one way doesn't mean that you always have to hold on to that. But whatever you're experiencing at this very moment or at the moment of the time you're experiencing, that is what's right for you at that very moment. So uh, let's dive into the discussion and see where we take it from here. Enjoy. The eye sees only what the mind is prepared to comprehend. And this is from uh, Robertson Davis and Tempest Toast. Uh, and this is really what, you know, it's, it's one part of the topic today, which is uh, perception is your reality. Uh, and, you know, the old uh, adage or verbiage, uh, perception is reality. Um, is a little uh, is is a little miss. It's not uh, misrepresented in a way, but it lacks that part of perception is your reality, because it is uh, really our reality is based on our individual uh, our individual perception, and so you know whatever we decide is our own reality uh, is correct. So when we look at the different aspects of reality, you know, we oftentimes we talk about reality being an illusion and to a certain extent it is because it depends from what perspective you are looking at the situation you're in. And just understanding that can help us in healing the aspects of ourselves or growing as a human being as you know we have the maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs uh, in order to come up to that level of uh, self-actualization and being able to connect with people so as we go through the the uh, uh, conversation today we'll look at some of these aspects so you, you for yourself can start asking questions uh, you know, what, what does this mean to you? What perspective are you seeing your reality? And is it, you know, the, your authentic reality that you are looking at uh, life from? Um, so when we're looking at the uh, 
the the uh, perspective, if you like, we have the external versus the internal. We have uh, what from what part or from what aspect are you evaluating yourself, head versus heart, and out of body versus uh, being present in your body. So starting with the external versus the internal. And anyone who's done uh, my uh, classes will know that I always talk about, you know, observing yourself from your awareness, uh, because we're looking at, or rather, when, when we grow up, or in you know Western society at least, we are conditioned so heavily to really only look at our external world or external reality construct as being the only reality that applies so we we tend to ignore and shun away our guidance and uh, intuition because that comes from the inside and it's not something that is easily validated on the outside so therefore it often becomes discounted in our perception of reality um and in my classes i tend to that that tends to be one of the goals is to really start listening to our inside and start listening to our intuition our guidance and so forth um and it really is about reconditioning our subconscious to default to uh to the in, uh, internal world as opposed to the external so when we are looking at uh, you know, our external world and seeing that as being our reality. So if that's our perception of reality, then we often feel lost, disconnected, separated. We end up uh, just focusing on things we can't control because there'll be so many things out there that is bothering us and triggering us. And we blame it on uh, aspects outside of ourselves that we can't control, right? In our experiences with the external world, we we have this notion that we can control everything, and if we something ends up being wrong or well, you know, not working out the way we had had uh, imagined, then we end up in a situation where we blame our external world so we are not being accountable for what our part is uh, in in the experience and actually if you look through your life you'll notice one kind of con continuous and consistent uh, aspect of every experience that you have and that's you that's me uh, in my own experiences that's you know i am in there every single time so what is it that I am accountable for in these uh, different situations as I am perceiving my own reality? Uh, because we are, you know, at least when we're recording this, we're now uh, six people here having a conversation. Well, at the moment, I'm the one talking. But so we we are seemingly having the same experience, but we're all going to come in 
to this conversation or this experience from different perspectives. So the reality here is really what you make out of it. It's your individual experience that is your reality. And my experience is going to be very different from anyone else's because I come at it from uh, obviously my experiences in uh, in my past, whether having done work on you know my self reflection or not, uh, you know all of these things uh, growing up, my my preconceived notions, my uh, uh, programmings, my uh, how I was raised, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, that's all going to shape the reality I enter into. So there are going to be things today that may trigger you. There may be things that might resonate with you. Now, you're still hearing the same words, but two people might have a complete, two completely different uh, experiences. So which one is real? Well, they're both real, aren't they? So reality is in the eye of the beholder in that respect. So that's where looking at the external, that can't be, from that perspective, it can't be the ultimate reality. Uh, the only reality that I see is on, uh, on the inside. Because our feelings and our emotions those are the only real things that exist. And when we are connected with others, when we have that uh, empathy, we can then recognize that emotion with others, within others. And that experience is going to be the same. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of caveat here. And I'll, uh, there's a bit of a caveat here in terms of the experience of the emotion, the emotion is the same. It's how we perceive it and that's how we experience it. That's going to be different. And anyone who's been with me before or listened to my other recordings will know that I say that pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. So the pain is going to be the same. So if we are having anger or you know, feeling anger or fear or something like that, that pain is going to be the same or uh, you know you've experienced trauma the pain might be different in terms of the magnitude but the suffering can be the same so we have a couple of things here we can consider uh, from different perspectives so someone who's gone through take uh, victor frankl for example going through uh, the Holocaust. I think he was in three different concentration camps. He came out of it and using his experience to do good, right? So he came out of it with a different perspective of his experience than someone else. So his suffering, uh, of course, there was suffering, but he chose to take a different perspective on it the pain was the same, or pain was the same for a lot of th those people that were experiencing the uh, the Holocaust. But the suffering is going to be different because their perception of their experience is going to be different, right? And this is very important when we are sitting there, we are being compassionate with someone. We might feel that their experience is something that is far worse than anything you've experienced, 
but at the same time they might be strong to go through in a different way or they might be feel, feeling the suffering as they go through it so it we have these uh, aspects we have to consider but the when we're looking at the pure experience of the uh, fear or anger or whatever it may be the quality of it is going to be the same whether it's in me or in you so something to consider uh then also we Carl Rogers, uh, the famous uh, psychotherapist, talks about locus of evaluation. So that meaning that from what perspective do you see yourself? And I'm going to continue that in a minute, and I'm going to let Nicole come in. And she had her hand up, so go ahead, Nicole. Thank you. Um, there's a few things, um, actually. Um, I've started to notice when I attend these classes, there's fancy names for the way that I've lived my life. So, uh, for example, there's this thing called art therapy. Who would have thunk? You know, I just decided to become an artist, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I'm literally an alchemist because I can, I can think of so many times when an experience really hurt and I use that energy to make some of the most beautiful pieces I've won awards for. I used a breakup to drive to San Francisco when I was afraid. Like I literally, those moments have empowered me so many times. And um, even in the last week, I found out people I really, well, thought I could trust or looked up to uh, weren't what I thought. And I used that in, um, and turned it into amazing artwork once again. But what I really was gonna say before is that last week I met a young man and I could see he was very tormented emotionally. I could see in him that he wanted to take his own life. I could see in him that he was an alcoholic. I could see a lot of things in him. Now, while I don't resonate exactly with his emotions, I was able to see him. It's almost like he looked like possessed or something mm -hmm. with all this pain. It was so much. It was like overflowing. Now I, I set the time to like, bring it to the surface and try to talk him down. I asked him to go to AA. He said he was going to go, him and his wife, but they ended up drinking. It kind of let me down, but I can't, I can't control another. Right. But like in the morning they had, they went to the pool together. They looked like a happy family. I had never seen them do that. Um, they did try. And maybe I planted a seed for, you know, over time. You can't expect, I know how to do rapid, uh, like giving up of things because I've done it before. Like I cold turkey anything, I, I want to do it. Um, and that's just my personality, but everybody doesn't have that inside. And I have no idea what, like you said, his life is different. You know, maybe like, you know, and he's caught in a cycle with his emotions and thinking that he knows, he knows he's in a bad cycle with it, but it's still like too painful to be numb yet for him. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, yeah. not numb, excuse me, um, release, you know, take when you drink, when you stop drinking, you have to be with the feeling in a different way. Mm -hmm. So, um, but it was just, just the power of, I know, I knew that ever since I went through the first painful thing in my life, I said, one day I'm going to be able to help somebody go through this. Even when I was a kid, I was like, if I can save a person one day of sorrow for this, it'll all be worth it. Like, so I just always had this like silver lining kind of thing in the back of my head. And 
um, literally like um, the apartment complex I live in is uh, it's it's changed so much. They sold it so many times, and I'd had this. Um, I started feeling like I was getting attacked in the office, and I lashed out. Right. Well, I learned a lot about reactions and different ways to perceive things. And so um, I found out they were doing this to everybody. So I had to stop taking things personal for one. So I started just praying and sending love to that office every day, even when I didn't want to. And when I walk in the office yesterday, the girl that didn't like me the most, she was smiling. She complimented my jewelry. She, um, when I told her I made it, she I said, well, I was thinking I wanted to have classes in here, but I didn't know. She said I could have classes in the leasing office. She said, oh, we'll provide the, or, um, the food. She told me she loved me so much by the end. And, and she's like, she, she looked at me like, I don't know why sometimes we can't get along. And I said, well, let's just leave it on a good note. Let's start from here. So I get to see the power of different changes in perspectives and looking at things from not just my perspective, seeing it from theirs, um, or not even necessarily having the opportunity to quite see it from theirs, but making becoming an alchemist in that moment as well, sending love in there instead of letting it destroy me, eat me up, you know? So mm -hmm. um, I just wanted to share that because it, it just really directly parallels with what you're saying. And uh, along this journey, not every last thing, but some of it has happened during being with your classes. So I've used some of the tools that you've given me to help me through these times. And I really appreciate it especially last week with that AA dude, like I wouldn't have even been able to think that I could help a person with that if you hadn't had that one. So Nick, <laughs> Nick, Nick Rothwell, uh, Nicole's referring to, and uh, yeah, tr truly astonishing human being. Uh, anybody who hasn't heard the uh, conversation we had with him, it's uh, the, uh, the, the podcast recording was, uh, we named it uh, Connecting with Retribe. So if you're interested in that, that is out there at the moment. Uh, and absolutely, Nicole, it's, I mean, what you're talking about there in terms of the office space that you felt attack, attacked by, it's once we can release, or we, once we can understand from what perspective we are ex experiencing something, we can release the resistance. And oftentimes it's the resistance that creates uh, that unnecessary kind of amplified pain or amplified suffering, as it were. Uh, and once we release that, oftentimes things just start flowing. And it's by almost like miraculous that people change around us and people suddenly become friendly and approachable and we, we go like okay what happened here like <laughs> i have no app no idea what happened there right uh, like everybody that wasn't nice is smiling and shit they're being so nice now i'm like oh my god it's yeah, weird it, like it am is. i in the twilight zone like yeah but um i had to also um i had this radical conversation with this guy and he's like brutally honest like don't call him if you're not feeling good okay i'll tell you that and he told me he was like um when i explained the office scenario he said that I've been lying to myself because I'm acting like a victim or something. And so I realized, you know what, I'm not gonna ever walk around ever thinking I'm a victim in a situation again. I'm just gonna look at it in a different way. See if I did contribute to it at all. See if there's a better way to handle it. Um, not internalize it like it's something personal. 
there's just, you know, just kind of giving it a 360 uh, degree, taking like almost even stepping outside of it, looking around it and then getting back in my body. Like, you know, like, Absolutely. you know, and it, it, oftentimes the suffering is when we see ourselves as the uh, victim, um, when we perceive our reality in that external environment, like in actual fact you were doing because you were seeing everybody attacking you, right? Uh, and then we, 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 we perceive ourselves as victim of our circumstances and it's when we can dive deep within ourselves and see what aspects we can control, which are our thoughts, our words, our actions, that's it. I mean, we can't control anything else. Then things kind of loosen up on the outside. So, you know, people often say in order to find love, you need to start loving yourself, start by loving yourself, right? Yeah, that part feels real good. <laughs> yeah, well, it, but it is true because, and we'll come to that uh, when we are going down the discussion here, but it is really uh, your our realities or the, the way we experience things are going to be a reflection of what goes on inside. So now, if we, I, if we have sorry. calm and, and serenity on, on the inside, then things are going to be calm and serene on the outside. If we love ourselves and we have great respect for ourselves, then we're going to experience that on the outside as well. Go ahead, Nicole. What I was going to say is when I got a chance to step outside of the situation, I saw that they were treating all the residents weird. So I, I, first of all, it let me know it's not me. It's just something they're doing in the mm -hmm. complex. So I, but in life, we don't always get a chance to interview everybody else and have an example. And you know what I'm saying? So I'm just grateful that I got cakewalked through this whole thing. I got to understand and be an observer. First, I was in it and then I got to observe it. So I could see it from multiple perspectives and understand, but this scenario has taught me that whether or not, if I get a chance to interview somebody or not, now I'm like, I've been equipped with the tools to not be reactionary, to pause. I know now mm -hmm. if somebody takes your mail out of the mailbox, it's illegal. Just call, you know, the postal office or the housing or whatever, but don't try to take it up on your own. You know what I'm saying? Even if yeah. you know that what they did is wrong, you know, there's certain times like, Sometimes it's better um, not to ever, not to necessarily say you have to fight, but if you have to stand up for yourself, be methodical about it. Don't allow somebody to provoke you because I, I know these are all trainings for my career because if I can't handle this situation, how can God give me my full career? How can I move forward to my next steps? I got to be refined here first to know I can handle it here to then be given more opportunities and more blessings uh, in terms of situations where I'll keep learning the same thing over and over again. I, my spirit can't grow if I can't get out of this circle of having that experience. No, absolutely. And it's when you, when you embody those qualities and those vibrations, you attract those uh those experiences around you so if you embody shame fear anger you're going to attract the experiences around you that resonate with those frequencies right so anybody who's uh, uh looked at david hawkins uh work will know that you know we can uh be uh 
at different frequent or all emotions have different frequencies and it's really about the frequencies we embody so this is where we'll kind of dive into this a bit further down as well but just being able to go in and really understand what frequency we are uh, at at the moment or that we embody i mean we can have moments where you know you can be at the level of, or you can embody acceptance but of course you can get angry so you have a moment when your your frequency changes but then if your default is acceptance you're going to return there right so it's it's all about um changing so the self-actualization and uh, and the maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs is really about increasing your frequency towards that level of quote-unquote enlightenment right so and that's what, a, what we embody within ourselves go ahead nicole how would i attract for somebody to take my mail out of the mailbox illegally how could i attract that well and that's only for you to know once you look inside yourself so perhaps when you sit in your meditation ask the question and just release it so what if they did it to the whole complex? How is that? How am I attracting it if they're doing it to everybody? I just do want to understand. Because you're part of the collective. So whatever you are, you are contributing to the collective. So if your energy, if, you're, if your boundaries and your frequency is high enough and your boundaries are strong enough, you are going to change the people around you as opposed to people around you changing you. Does that make sense? Mm, I would have to say in this scenario with this complex, it's a little bit more complex, literally. Right, right. Well, <laughs> um, that's, but that's the thing. Collective consciousness is very complex. If you take humanity, it's seven, what are we up to? Nine billion people complex, right? So in the work I do with people, I always try to boil it down to the most simple parts and really for you the only thing that you can do and the only thing that you can control is how you react to that situation does does someone taking your mail out of the mailbox lower your frequency well then that is then going to feed into the collective that is in your apartment complex now, do you have to accept someone taking mail out of your mailbox? Absolutely not. It, but it, how do you perceive that reality of someone taking the mail out of your mailbox? What do you do about it? Uh, is there something you can do about it? Um, is you know, can you put put a lock on it, or if something else, or can you work with the association uh, to change the way the mail is kept, or you know? What are the actions you can take that are conscious and mindful to resolve the situation? Because the only thing, every experience that come up, you come up against, you only have three, uh, three choices. You can either change the way you look at it, change your perception of it, or you can change how everybody else perceives it, or you can uh, leave the experience. And in this case, it would be moving into another complex, right? So those are the three choices you have. Now, what action can you take to 
change your perception on it, well, perhaps you can take action to make the mail more secure, and that would change your perception of it, right? So that there are different ways that you can approach it. Does that make sense, Nicole? Yes, I understand. So it's not necessarily, well, in my, in what I'm hearing, and I'm not sure, it's not necessarily that I actually made them take all the mail out, but it's how I respond. Well, how you respond is going to be a contributing factor to whatever experience everybody's having. So if you're having collective experience, it's the collective that is have, uh, that is attracting that experience. So if you, the only thing you can do is to be the optimal version of yourself and showing up as a role model. Okay. Um... And then hopefully, you, if your energy is strong enough and your boundaries are strong enough, you're going to change people around you and they're going to approach it in a similar fashion you are, then now you're raising the, the collective vibration, the collective frequency, and now everybody's reality is going to change because they're going to perceive it from a different perspective. Well, I can tell you in the beginning, I was about to get everybody together and um, like get this place taken down. I promise you, I can't lie. When I get frustrated about something, it's a wrap for that person or thing. But then I decided that I have, that would take so much energy out of me. And um, the interviewing of the other people to find out that it wasn't, I wasn't, it wasn't purposeful. It allowed me to see the different perspective. And then I chose that even though I knew that I could probably get them in trouble, is that what I want to do with my time? Mm -hmm. Is that how I want to spend my time? What a drain. Yeah. You know, so I, and then um, I just I kind of stopped going in the leasing office for a bit. And then I really started enjoying living here again. Well, there so, you go. Um, I do think I do understand more what you are saying now. And I do think that the residents are kind of well, most of them are moving out. But uh, for the ones that are here, maybe they're seeing a perspective a little bit differently now. Well, this is the interesting thing. When and this is what the work I'm doing with companies, uh, because I, I when I work with companies and businesses, I help them see their business as a flow of energy, right? So the everybody brings energy to the table, and you know, are they supporting the purpose of the business, or is are they kind of just there to get a paycheck or whatever? So if you create an environment, a collective uh, frequency that is, if so in your case now, Nicole, if you raise that to a certain level, those people that are on board with and resonates with that, they're going to come together and it's going to become more coalescent and it's going to be much more forceful. Now, they're going to be people that don't agree with that. They don't resonate with it. They want to stay at a lower level. And that's perfectly okay. That is their choice. But they are automatically, by their, they're not going to realize they're doing it, but they're going to separate themselves from that collective by moving out or what have you. So, and this is where... If we show up as the best versions of ourselves, we are going to be part of those uh, those collective consciousness groups or what have you, or collective collectives that are resonating with us, and we are going to have that different experience. Is there still going to be pain? Absolutely, but we can 
then see things from a different perspective and we can have a different uh, reality as it were. Does that resonate so, with you? It definitely does. And one thing I had to think about as you were speaking in terms of the vibrations and frequencies um, during the pandemic time, we've got a different element of people that moved into our complex. It was um, just a lower vibration mm -hmm. of people started moving in and uh, busting in and squatting, you know, just it was a time of unique energy yeah, all around. Uh, uh, so, because probably a lot of people in your apartment complex moved into a lot of fear and perhaps the frequency and the complex lowered. Yeah, I can understand that. Okay, yeah. And then we got new landlords that have a different frequency. I can understand what you're saying mm -hmm. a lot. And I do know, I can, I can admit that I was more reactionary at the time because I felt like because I'm such a nice person that if somebody does something I don't like, I have a right to pop off on them. So that's, that's you know, something I had to deal with within myself because I always felt like I'm so nice. Like, yeah. you should respect me, you know? So, like, it's, it's a lot I've learned in this scenario. And yeah. I don't well, want to pop off on somebody anymore just because I feel justified because I'm nice. No, so. of course not. All right. <laughs> well, and uh, those are all ex excellent examples there of... Uh, your situation, Nicole, and uh, you know that's how we can, if we can move into those higher vibrations, it's a choice that we make as individuals. But so the locus of evaluation, and this is kind of where we can go into that aspect as well. Carl Rogers talks about locus of evaluation, and oftentimes when we are, shall we say, a bit asleep. We, we tend to perceive ourselves from everybody, everybody else's perspective. So I will judge myself from the perspective of my parents. I'll judge myself from the perspective of uh, my wife or husband or my children or my best friend. And I will make assumptions based on what my perspective of them are so what, what my uh, assumption about what, how they perceive me, that's how I'm going to look at myself. So this is the external locus of evaluation. And that is then going to, of course, create a skewed uh, perception of reality because that is not, you know, I can't make that assumption about anybody because I don't know anybody else's story. I only know my own story badly know that so it's when we are perceiving ourselves from what perspective are we perceiving reality are we perceiving it from the external and are we seeing ourselves from that external perspective and it's not only what we are seeing on the outside but also are we reflecting on ourselves from someone else uh, someone else's point of view um so when we are when we are on the uh, uh, the inside, as it were, if we're <clears throat> looking at ourselves from the inside, now we can start perceiving our authenticity. We can start looking at who am I really within myself, and that then is going to create a different reality and different perspective of reality than if I'm looking at myself 
from someone else's perspective. I can, of course, take feedback from other people, but their opinion of me is going to be from their perspective. That is going to be their perspective of reality. It's not going to be what I resonate with necessarily. It could be that I feel that their feedback is okay. That that makes sense. Yeah, I, perhaps I'm perhaps I was a jerk doing that. But at the end of the day, it's always their experience that is going to kind of color their experience. So it's their past experiences. And there could be things that I have no idea of, you know, what has been going on in their life that is suddenly going to trigger them in some way. And that experience is all about them, not me, right? So we have a question here, what's the role of ego in our perceptions? And again, uh, Carl Rogers talks about the organismic self versus the uh, perceived self right uh, so as we grow as we grow up from a baby as it were our organismic self that is who we are when we are born or essentially when our consciousness enters the body that's who we are that's our original organismic self now as we start having experiences it could be getting nutrition through, you know, the fallopian tube and the placenta and so forth. Those are all experiences because perhaps my mother is smoking, drinking, taking drugs. Then that is going to cause me to have experiences related to that. If I have a difficult birth, for example, and we can we we can see this when we do uh, work with uh, with hypnotherapy and uh, regression therapy, we can see that you know someone who's had a traumatic birth can affect their life up into uh, you know old age until they the person uh, heals that aspect of themselves. So it shows us that we have experiences. Even you know difficult birth is an experience that we have so and then beyond that you know then we start interacting with other people within our, and our environment and that then becomes the id or the ego as uh, freud would say and so absolutely all of those experiences and it's our perception of those experiences that then becomes the ego and that is how it it's going to affect our experiences because we are perceiving our present and future experiences through the lens and the filter of our past experiences but it is we who decide what type of a lens or filter we have on that perception so if i'm perceiving say for example and i use this example uh, quite a lot but you know I'm spilling a, uh, when I'm five years old, I spill a cup of water on a, on a rug. And my parent happens to have a very bad day at that, uh, that day. And they uh, say it's my mother. She tells me that, oh, you can never do anything right, can you? Right. So as a five-year-old, 
uh, as you all know, I don't have the concept of individual thought. So now I'm thinking to myself, I'm a bad person. I can't do anything right. Now, in my five-year-old mind, because I'm thinking that, I then think that everybody else is having that exact same thought because I don't understand that and I can have an individual thought that is not the same as someone else's, right? So now I go through life with this feeling that I'm a bad person. So now I, everything I do, I'm going to perceive my reality from the perspective that I'm not a good person and I always have to do better. Otherwise, I'm going to be shunned. I'm going to be pushed out of the tribe, and then my security is going to be questioned, right? So now, yes, so the ego, and that's kind of a long-winded answer to a rather simple question there. But uh, so, yeah, the ego or the experiences that we have as we grow, grow up and our perception of those experiences, it is going to be our reality. And it's only when we can start to re uh, reflect on ourselves from an authentic perspective that we can start picking that apart and start healing those aspects. And it doesn't have to be that we go in and dissect every little piece, but we have a general perspective of it that allows us to heal those aspects. And when we, when we heal that traumatic experience of, you know, and that, one of the challenges is that as adults, I would look at my my five-year-old self spilling that cup of water, getting yelled at, as well, I probably deserve that, as opposed to going back and looking through the eyes of the five-year-old and looking at how did I perceive my experience from that perspective? Perhaps that was the scariest thing I've ever experienced. But as a, an adult, I'm perceiving it as a mundane kind of silly thing but as the five-year-old, it was the scariest thing I've ever experienced because I didn't think that spilling water was that big of a deal, but apparently it was because my parent freaked out and said that I couldn't do anything right. So, and this is, as a side note, why it's important for parents to really watch what they say and really experience the child's situation through their eyes not through they're not little adults they are children <laughs> right so so it is uh, that whole looking through that whole process and it's when we can heal the aspect and that situation that then everything that we have experienced in life that reflects on that same situation is then going to be healed too so we don't have to complicate it too much we don't have to dissect things. We just kind of approach it as it comes up and then allow it to just experience within ourselves, right? So, and then of course we have the beautiful thing of being stuck in our heads, right? And this, again, it goes back to when we're stuck in our heads, then we try to analyze everything ad nauseum around us in our external world. And we don't listen to our intuition. We don't listen to any guidance. We're, we don't exist in our hearts. But 
our life around us has told us and we're kind of uh, been uh, prepared and uh, uh, programmed that way that you know the the only thing that is valuable is to analyze but why do I analyze everything on the outside when I can't control it? So what I try to do for myself in a way, and of course, all of these things are from my own experiences, is to perceive my experiences from my heart space. And once you're in your heart space, you can allow the impressions, and it kind of goes back to, the, the quote we had in, a, in the beginning, the eye sees only what the mind is prepared to comprehend using the external senses as inputs and then allow the brain to send it down into my heart space and then I can use my intuition to uh, analyze it. And then I get a much purer experience because now I can approach it from a higher intelligence. They higher wisdom that exists within me. So the head versus the heart is really important to understand because we are so stuck in our heads because of the the idea that it's everything has to be analyzed. Now, of course, we have also the uh, the idea of being present. So when we experience pain at a very deep level and i'm going to come back to that in one second because we have tasneem who wants to say something thank you christopher i heard something from someone and it was like uh, thinking heart and feeling mind yeah. so i don't understand about this concept and what you are mentioning now I think it is somehow related to that. So I don't know whether in this session or in another session, I would really like if you could put some light on this. Thank you. Thinking hard and feeling. What was that? Thinking hard and feeling? Mind. Feeling mind. Okay. Well, I think what we experience, or what, what we are taught to do, and I think our school system, our educational system is uh, much to blame for this, uh, that everything around us is a mental exercise, right? And it's it's analyzing what happens on the outside that then is our reality. Uh, whereas I believe that the brain is a powerful tool that we can use to receive input and to do the kind of uh, initial calculations but then send those results down into the heart where you actually you do the analysis. So when I work with clients, whether being individuals or being businesses, it's when they feed information to me, when I listen and I pay, you know tune into them, I don't sit here and analyze things in my head. Because then I'm going to see their experience out of my from my own perspective, from my own experiences. So this is where I I, I always have to to do the right thing by them, have to exist in my heart space. Because then 
I will feed back to them what is going to resonate with them. And the same thing when doing these conversations. And uh, I know there are people that have had powerful experiences in these sessions because I, I reside in the heart space and I feed back from that perspective. And anyone looking at my notes, I, I'll have two pages of kind of highlights and notes and I often go off script as it were but because I don't have a script it all is flowing from a that inner kind of uh, wisdom place um, so th that's where I've learned in my process and way to trust only my heart space and perceive the uh, my reality from that makes things flow much easier flow much gentler because I'm not overanalyzing things and I'm not looking at using my mind to construct this reality around me. It becomes more authentic. It becomes more true, right? Oftentimes when we are experiencing pain, we tend to, and I'm sure a lot of you will recognize this, if you are in a process of, panic or anxiety or something else you you'll feel kind of lightheaded you'll get kind of pushed out of your body a bit because it is so painful to be in your body experiencing that sadness or anger or whatever uh, it is uh, it's almost like you you off balance because your energy is now not in your body it's it's kind of outside your body it's up here somewhere and i'm gesturing around my head um, for those who can't see me um, and so we have this concept of being present in our body and it is really about and I'm going back to what is real in my perspective is are our feelings and our emotions uh, and unless we're in our body we can't experience them and we have this notion in life and we've grown up with it that you know, emotions are bad, feelings are bad, and we should best be avoided, right? So now it's uh, up to us to really go back and start conditioning, reconditioning ourselves to say, no, no, it's not. They're not bad. They're the pure essence of who I am. They're the pure essence of why I'm here. That's what I'm supposed to experience. I'm, about, uh, I'm here to learn about these emotions. I'm here to experience myself. And I can't do that when I'm up, upstairs somewhere, you know, up outside my body and my energy is out there somewhere. Physiologically, if your energy is outside your body, you're not going to be in good balance. You're not going to, you're opening yourself up to, uh, physiological uh, problems, illnesses, and stuff like that. Um, and you're not going to feel the, uh, the, the aspects of yourself that need to be healed. So you might have tensions in different parts of your body, and you're not going to be aware of them because you're not in your body, right? So again, we choose to perceive a life from where we choose to perceive it. So if I'm now out of body there, I'm going to perceive my life from that perspective. I'm going, that's going to be my reality. But once I then become uh, more grounded and I get to come in, into my body, 
then I'm going to have a different uh, experience. I'm going to perceive my reality from a, a totally different perspective. And I'm going to experience myself and my emotions and my feelings and all of that good stuff. And once I learn that, you know, actually it's not, these emotions are not bad. They're all there to help me and to teach me. Then I can stay in my body. And now I can have a fulfilling experience. When, when I was uh, working in large crowds and I would have maybe, you know, a large group of people trying to buy things at the same time, I would notice that I would feel really spacey mm -hmm. and I would, I, it would make me afraid. I would feel like I'm not inside, like, but I didn't know what it was like, but I am also an empath. Mm -hmm. Was it because there was mm -hmm. too many people in the room for me? Like, do you understand what was happening? And lately I've been finding like, I don't know if they're energy vampires or something, but sometimes when I have conversations with certain people, I feel like something's getting sucked out and it's making me tired. So I feel like, I don't know if I should be friends with those people, or if I should pull my energy in. I like, can you understand? Do you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think. Christopher, I would like to add more uh, to what Nicole said. And when we have this kind of energies, uh, when we have such kind of people around us where we feel that our energies are suck, creating boundaries at that time, sometimes when we create boundary, this, these thoughts comes to my mind that, you know, maybe I'm a bad person because that person could be not so bad and maybe it's just me who is thinking like that so uh, please um, include my questions with nicole's questions as well, well and, and they they do uh, kind of belong to each other so i'm happy to do that um absolutely what happens in my experience in a way is that you have only so much energy uh, space for so much energy in you so when you have all these emotions and energies coming from the outside, it's really going to push your energy out, right? So now you have all these other energies in your body, your energy is out somewhere else. So now you're experiencing everybody else. And so, yes, they are then, that is then going to drain you. It's not necessarily going to be intentional from anybody. It's, really you uh, you know when we are uh, and i think i think they use the terminology trained or untrained empaths if you're an untrained empath you are not going to be at a position where you can decide what energy is yours and what's not yours and therefore you're not going to be able to release what's not yours so therefore, you have all this energy coming into your body and you're going to experience all of that, but you're not going to experience yourself because your energy is somewhere else. It's not, it doesn't fit into your body anymore. And also, when you have all that energy coming in, it is so dense and it's so tiresome that you want to escape it. It's painful. You want to escape it. So you, your energy then goes out. So absolutely, when we talk about boundaries, and this is, uh, again, if you uh, are interested to learn more of it, uh, about it, we have uh, an episode that we did on boundaries. And it is critical 
critical to understand that boundaries are not something I say, for example, this is my boundary. It's something that evolves over time as you become accepting of yourself and others. As you are uh, becoming more in tune with yourself and you're, you're starting to build a relationship with yourself then you get to understand what your boundaries are because your boundaries are always there it's just that we we don't understand them so therefore we can't work with them and boundaries are not where we say i don't accept people who are late that's not a boundary that's me resisting the experience of someone being late and understanding how i react to it right but because again as we we grow up with this idea that everything is our reality is on the outside therefore we set the boundaries in our external world as opposed to understanding them from the inside so once we can perceive our boundaries from the inside and we can accept that we are having these experiences and become more build that relationship with ourselves then we can also go in and we can when there is an emotion or we we take on someone else's energy we can feel that we can be aware it becomes it comes up to our awareness uh or our attention uh, comes to our attention then we can say okay interesting i'm feeling all this anxiety coming on I wonder why that is. How much of this anxiety is mine? And then because we're working with our intuition and we're in our heart space and we're not in our mind because our mind is going to be like, oh, yeah, it's probably because, uh, ooh, yeah, something you know happened uh, two days ago. That's probably why I'm anxiety-ridden. But if I'm in my heart space, then I can understand that, well, only about 10% of this anxiety is mine. Well then do I need to hold on to the other 90%? No. So I'll release that. And once you set the intention to release it, you can feel it disappearing. Now the remaining 10%, because as we know, in order for something to be triggered within us, whether that is being on an energetic level or an emotional level, an aspect, an unhealed aspect of that has to be within us to begin with. Otherwise, there wouldn't be anything to resonate or to resonate with us to latch on to it. So that has to be a portion of the anxiety within me already. Now, once I reveal that, there's a purpose for this happening because now I can, I can, uh, this anxiety has now been revealed to me. Now I can be grateful for it being, being brought to my attention. Now I can start working with it and say, okay, interesting. I have this anxiety. Where does it come from? When did I first feel this anxiety? When did I first feel this uh, fear or whatever is coming up? And now I can, uh, now my intuition can bring me on a journey back to understand what aspect it is I need to heal. So I hope that answers kind of. The, it's not a direct answer because there is no direct answer. It's it's something we we develop over time. Um, the boundaries are there already, but it's only by getting to know ourselves and develop.
the acceptance within ourselves and for others that we will understand our boundaries. So we don't set our boundaries, we understand them. Okay, cool. Now, another big thing in terms of perceiving our realities is good versus bad, right? And we are, and I, I do it myself, I talk about bad situations and good situations, but when we perceive things from our awareness and we observe our emotions that come up because it is really the emotions that, call, that allow us to experience things. Um, everything on the outside, people, places, nature, animals, all of those things are there in order for us to have a reference point to ourselves. If we, if we exist in a vacuum, we can't experience ourselves. We have no reference point to ourselves. So therefore we couldn't experience ourselves. So now when we are in, in this reality, in this uh, world, we can experience ourselves because, you know, I stub my toe on, on the table, sends pain up uh, into my brain uh, or a pain signal. Now that pain, I can perceive that pain either as good or bad. If I'm a masochist, I'll probably be like, oh, thank God for that. That feels good. If not, then I will probably start shouting and screaming and yelling at the table because it's painful, right? But it's all based on my perception. So good or bad doesn't exist. It's an illusion. Good or bad is based on your perception. And perception is your reality. So if you perceive your life as being bad, you're right. That's how you're going to experience it. If you perceive it as being good, then you're right too. Now, we talked about, uh, actually today, the uh, 19th of August, um, 2022, we released... Uh, the episode on positive illusions. So that's something we need to consider as well when we look at our lives. So are we perceiving our lives from a, an alternative reality where we've escaped in order to avoid the pain we are experiencing? That's a different uh, aspect that we can discuss as well. Christopher, if good and bad is illusion and it depends on how I perceive it. I would like to ask you if somebody murdered someone, uh -huh. so how can I see it as good and how can I not see it as bad by thinking that, oh, this can be only my perception of reality, whereas I feel that killing somebody is really a bad thing? Well, and these extreme cases are always tricky right um and uh i think i posted it last year but the, if you search it up on uh, youtube i'm sure you'll find it there is this report of a uh, muslim father whose son is a pizza delivery guy 
and he gets lured to a house for a pizza delivery and uh, murdered by these two guys. Now, and this is a very powerful scene where the father in the, at the sentencing of these murderers makes a powerful statement or he uh, makes a, uh, reads out the statement and he forgives the murderers. Now his son has just been murdered by these people and he actually goes and hugs one of them. Well, the person that was in the, uh, uh, who was being convicted of it. And he goes and hugs him and forgives him. Now, could I do that? I'm not sure. I don't know. Because I haven't been in that situation. But isn't that so powerful? I, you know, some people look at that as being weak. But when you see this father, you know, he's still grieving his son, of course. But for him, he is so compelled in his religious conviction that it would be a sin for him to hold hate against this murderer. Understanding that that kid who uh, committed the murderer, murder has his path and his son has his path. And he himself has his path. So again, it is a choice. And this is the power of being human. We have our uh, own will. We have choices. We can choose how we perceive these different situations. Now, of course, if you go, if you uh, have a child who's been murdered, and you go into with well, I'm just going to forgive, it's all good, then you are in a positive illusion situation. Then you are cheating yourself of the experience. Now you can uh, experience the pain and the grief and all the emotions that come with that and the anger and the disappointment, all of these, you know, the, the eruption are an overwhelming power or force of all these emotions that come up. But at the end of the day, it's our choice whether we hold on to them or not. So when we are experiencing pain, we hold on to it or not. And that's with and we do that with our perspective. So now this father was able to release that pain over time because he was willing to forgive. So forgiveness in this. I mean, forgiveness is an internal process. It has nothing to do with anybody else. You forgive for yourself. And it is the, the old par uh, parable from uh, Buddhism that, you know, if you drink, it's like drinking a cup of poison, expecting the other person to die, right? Holding on to anger, holding on to bitterness and all of those things. And this is why it's so important not to cast judgment on anybody's experience. So when I see someone else having an experience that I might, in my experience, seeing as why are they, why are they reacting to that? That's a benign thing. 
But for them, it is very real. And it's super important for me to not hold judgment against their own experience. And we, we tend to hold that judgment because we have the separation between us. So if I'm seeing everything in the external, I see that person over there having an experience and I can't relate to it because I'm only looking in the external world. I'm only perceiving my reality from the external world. Then there is that distance between us. Now, if I can experience it from the inside and I can experience the emotion that that person is experiencing, now I can connect with them on a compassionate level. And so once you boil it down to the bare essentials, so in the, in the case you're bringing up there, Tasneem, and I'm not, no, not saying that this is the way I would do it or the way I would have the power to do it, I'm not, and if anybody has experienced something like this, uh, no judgment on however you decided to uh, deal with it. But at the end, end of the day, we're here to experience something. There is a beginning, there's an end. So why did that experience show up for you? The experience is there to teach us something about ourselves. It's there to teach us how we react to things and how we experience the emotion and how we, are we holding on to it? Are we able to let it go? Are we holding on to it for a little bit and then coming to realization? How are we dealing with it? How are we pursuing that experience? So it's at the very basic elements of it, uh, you know, it's all up to us, uh, how ourselves, how we deal with it and how we perceive it is our reality, right? So, uh, so for example, for me, like if somebody hurts me, if I don't like something, it will feel intense. It will feel like a death. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But I confront the emotion and I deal with it and I might lose a day, but then I'm, I've moved on. Even maybe a couple of days I might linger in me, but then I feel like that's actually, I released that trauma as opposed to, oh, that didn't bother me. And then it gets stored somewhere inside of me. Like maybe at the time it feels like, holy shit, but is it better to just go on and feel like shit then so I don't have to continue later? Like, Absolutely. Absolutely. It's really about the experience. And in, uh, in my experience, in a way, when emotions come up, they come from below and they rise up for some reason. I, I don't know if that's everybody's experience, but that's my experience in a way, that it comes up. And so it's for me, it's as that energy is uh, transported through my body, it is an opportunity, it's, it's really there to communicate to me an experience within myself. So the emotion is trying to convey something to me. Uh, and it, it's, there is a source for the, for the experience. Now, if I'm at the place where I've resolved all 
my experiences and I've resolved, I've healed everything in my life, there is nothing left to trigger me. I can still have the emotions, but there's nothing left to trigger me. So it's, it's going to flow through uh, with, that, with ease, without anything. Because perhaps I am now at the state where I completely understand the journey of life. So someone dying is not going to be sad to me. Or I'm not going to have that grief because I can still experience them in a different dimension or I can I have an understanding where they've gone or whatever it may be. I can still miss their, their physical body and I can feel that uh, emotion of it. But it's it's experiencing the emotion that's the critical aspect and that's the key and as that comes up you you allow it to come up you you but you don't allow it to hijack you and that's what happens when we're stuck in our head because <laughs> we don't uh it's it happens so quickly it comes up and then it hijacks our thoughts and then we're off to the races you know, you have anger coming up and it hijacks the thoughts going, oh, I'm angry because of this and that and, the, and this is happening and, and then it goes into a spiral and people think this about me and I, oh, I'm going to get them. And I'm, right? But now if I'm able to observe that anger coming up, I can then, you might, I might have an initial instinctive thought come up because I'm observing it, I can now go, hmm, interesting, I have that thought, and I have this anger coming up, I wonder where that comes from. Oh, interesting, can, uh, uh, where, you know, when did I experience this anger the first time? Now, you're going down a more neutral thought process, but you're not escape, or you're not hiding away from it by trying to placate with positive thoughts, you're not engaging in positive illusions, but you're engaging with the emotion and you're allowing the emotion to dissipate out, out from you because you've acknowledged it and you acknowledge that it's there to teach you something because you're pursuing the root of the emotion. You're pursuing the source of it, right? So we, so yeah, feeling the emotion, feeling the feeling is what it's all about, right? Um, so we have a question here, if I can explain the difference between emotion and the trauma that is associated with the emotion and how to separate. Well, the trauma is really the collective or the, the combination of the memory and the emotion. So once you can separate the emotion from the memory and you can allow the emotion to, dis or to release from your body, You'll still have the emo or the memory, but you won't be triggered by the memory when the memory comes up. So if if we have trauma, when we do work in psychotherapy with trauma, for example, it is to, of course, the the journey there is uh, different from from all people, and it's it's all very person centered. But a lot of times, it's being able to understand what that trauma meant to me what have i uh, what work have i done with that trauma what is it teaching me and what is 
how am I working with it, right? The trauma is really the when you hold on to the emotion with the memory. Uh, once you can separate out the emotion from the memory and release that, then you release the trauma. So now you can, and oftentimes that is understanding what the trauma means for you and how you can use the trauma for your own benefit, for your own higher good. Because it's really, again, in my work, I kind of boil it down to looking at all experiences with compassion, acceptance, forgiveness, and gratitude. So you have compassion for the experience you had. Uh, you have compassion for yourself and everybody involved. Then you can accept your journey and accept everybody else's journey. You can accept what the experience what, uh, that you had the experience. And then you can uh, go into forgiving yourself and everybody else involved in that experience and forgiving the experience itself a lot of times. And when you have that, then you can have gratitude for the experience. You can have gratitude because now you understand what the experience brought to you. You can understand uh, the lessons that you learned from it and what you've learned about yourself about it. So now, once you reach that stage, then you release the emotion from the, uh, the memory and then that the trauma is then released. Thank you, Christopher, for an amazing session. Um, my experience being an infertile woman, I thought this is my trauma. And for a very long time, you know, I was indulged in negativity, fear, and so many other emotions just because of my infertility. But now, when I am freed from that trauma, when I look back, I see it was such a beautiful destruction in my life because without infertility, I was not able to become who I am today. So through my infertility, I learned how to paint. I learned how to write poetry. So nothing is sent to us without a reason. But handling that challenge in those moments is not that easy. I'm so grateful to be here. And I find it a very sacred space. Thank you for holding this space for us. Well, thank you, Tasneem. And uh, yeah, and I, I think that is a lot of times when when we are experiencing pain and someone like yourself who's power, moved through uh, the pain in a powerful way, it, it becomes very triggering, doesn't it? So when you are in that pain, it becomes very triggering when you see others who have moved through it and, and it, we, we externalize it and it is that experience and it, it's perfectly okay right so whether you have worked through it or you haven't it doesn't matter it is your experience that you're having and that is your reality so it's a beautiful statement a, a powerful statement that you're you're giving that as name and i congratulate you and i'm grateful for you having be, been able to come to the the point you have um, but for anybody out there who is struggling and are in pain that we recognize your experience too and that you know there is 
the way out of it and that you can work through it but that acknowledge you for your pain that you are uh, experiencing at this point so uh you know it's staying strong through that right so thank you tasneem um again you know my this statement i i often make that pain is uh, inevitable but the suffering is optional suffering suffering is a choice is very triggering to a lot of people that are experiencing pain because they a lot of times when we are in it and i've been there myself it's difficult to see the light at the end of the tunnel right but knowing that the pain is inevitable it's not we haven't we didn't choose the pain then that becomes easier to allow the pain to be and then we can take a different perspective on it and say, you know what? If the pain is going to be there in a way, I might as well deal with it, right? But again, that's a decision that people come to at different stages. And Nicole was talking about uh, some people she had seen that she was trying to help. And, you know, people will come to realizations when, when the time is right for them. I didn't come to, you know, my realizations about a lot of things until I was 44 years old, you know, and some people don't do it till they're 80. So it's always the perfect time. Whatever time you're in, it's perfect because you are where you are because you've attracted that level of uh, vibration. And that is for you to be able to learn something special about yourself. So timing is always perfect. So we talked about judgment before, but I think it is um, a really important part of the way we perceive our reality. If we understand judgment and how we judge, we can then also release a lot of suffering that we're doing because a lot of it emanates from our own judgment of ourselves and others. And, and I'll freely admit, I still have a lot of judgment within me. And it's, it's kind of subconscious, and it's something that is programmed in there. And I'm working hard and have been working hard for a long time to kind of program something else in there that is going to be less judgmental. Uh, but the way we look at other people, that's it tells us whether we are connecting with them or if we are seeing us as disconnected from them, right? So oftentimes what I try to do is when I make a judgment about someone, I recognize, I observe myself making that judgment and I say, okay, I acknowledge I've made this judgment. Well, is there a fair judgment of this person? And then I start trying to connect with the child version of this person. And that can then allow me to reach into the organismic self of them. And I can connect with that and compassionately connect with that. Right. And then the judgment can dissipate. And you do that often enough, then you can release that. 
Okay, I'll put it on mute right after. I think you were hearing my air conditioner. So um, what if like you walk around thinking that you have these wonderful relationships, you're always smiling, you're always saying hi, you always think, you know, and then you find out someone can't stand you. Like you think, you think you're having this wonderful relationship with someone. Um, you think you're being kind, you think you're being considerate, everything, you know? And um, this particular one person, but it's not just one person, but the person I'm thinking about right now, I could see this person is grouchy quite often or catches colds quite often and things like that. But I still love that person for who they were. I was like, oh, he's just a fabulous gay designer and he's just got an attitude and that's okay. Like, like I love him with his grouchiness and everything because I loved him. It didn't matter to me if he was grouchy or whatever. I just figured that's him and I didn't want to change him or never tell him, are you okay? Do you need therapy? Like I was in my place, like, you know? So what do you do when like, um, for example, you are, or you're thinking you're really good friends with someone in the gym or anything. And then you find out, oh, we're just cool at the gym. We're not friends. Like, how do you, like, what do you do with that? Please explain. Well, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, and I, I think the first thing I would do, well, first of all, oftentimes that if you have that perception of that relationship, obviously you have, well, it is your reality because you, you, have, you feel you've made a connection with them. Perhaps they feel that you're triggering them on some level and perhaps the connection is triggering them uh, it's it's scary for them or whatever it may be so perhaps take a moment to just go understand within yourself why you've felt that they that you had this connection that wasn't uh, reciprocated uh, in that way so uh, it's really about understanding yourself in that relationship and understanding yourself how you got to that place and what it meant for you and what why did it show up for you was there what was the purpose of it what was the purpose of you having this kind of different experience than the other person now i know you're a heart-centered loving uh, woman Nicole so you love everybody around you but then again that you're not necessarily loving the person that shows up you're loving the organismic self of the person that shows up so it's not the 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 mask or the facade can can you repeat that word because your beautiful accent, I couldn't understand it. Could you repeat that part? Thank you. Uh, what word was that? Just kind of the last thing you were saying. You're saying I'm not necessarily experiencing. All right. Yes. The, All right. Uh, yes. Um, so, yeah, it's you're not necessarily uh, experiencing the. Oh, you're not necessarily loving the. The, the facade or the exterior or the ego, if you want to use that terminology, that shows up, but it's the organismic self. It's the original version of the authentic version of that person that, that you're showing the love for. So you, you're you doing exactly what I was uh, saying that I'm trying, I always try to do is to 
find compassion and connection with someone uh, for the uh, the 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 child version of themselves. So the pure kind of or, uh, original version of themselves, and all this other crap that shows up is you know stuff that we kind of put on uh, because of our experiences. And it's not that that you're you're connecting with. It's the deeper version of it. So I think oftentimes we don't, if if you're of that ilk and of that uh, mentality, like you are, Nicole, uh, which is a beautiful thing, but it can be very com- confusing because someone shows up being a jerk, and you're like, why do I, you know, have love for this person when they're not being nice to me? But that is the beauty of being conscious. You can have that love for someone. And, but that doesn't mean that you need to be their best friend, right? You don't need to hang around them. You know, you just have love for everybody, like, right? Does that make sense, Nicole? Yes, thank you very much. Um, that was very helpful. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, cool. Now, Here's an interesting twist on judgment. Whenever you have an opinion about someone, you're passing judgment. Think about that. So if you're... If the person tells you how they're feeling, it's not, isn't that what they're telling you? Or if their face looks like it's really on the floor and they're frowning and their their body is slumped over, isn't that telling you i mean i'm just asking mr christopher so i can understand the having an opinion about someone so uh, say for example there's a beautiful woman a woman walking down the road and i think to myself oh that's a beautiful woman that's an opinion right but i'm still passing judgment about them about their looks and it's all based on my perception of them someone else uh, you know i could be walking down the street with a friend of mine and i say this to the friend that oh that's a what a beautiful woman and he might say oh i don't agree with that now he's obviously doing that from his perception and he's posing that judgment now this is a very superficial way of looking at it but i think it's important that whenever we have opinions, that we question ourselves and say, why am I having this opinion about someone else or about myself? Why, why is this opinion coming up? Because it is, it might be a very benign opinion, but still it's there to communicate something with you because it is based on a belief system that you have. It's based on something that you've experienced. When you, if you take an adult's brain, put it in a one-year-old's body, there's going to be no opinions. They're not going to have, because they have no references to those opinions. So whenever we have an opinion about ourselves or anybody else or any situation, experience, always ask, where does this opinion come from? Why did it come up? Because it is 
us having judgment about something. Now, it could be a friend who's, uh, that might be a friend who I think is having a drinking problem. And I voice that someone. And yes, my opinion is that this person is drinking too much. Someone else might feel that, no, they're not drinking too much. It's just quite normal. Uh, coming from someone who doesn't drink at all, I suppose <laughs> anybody who drinks more than I do is drinking more than I do, you know. Um, didn't always used to be that way. But so it's, it's uh, having an opinion is if we understand it, that it is having, we, we are passing judgment, then that allows us the uh, moment to pause and ask ourselves where it comes from and how we can use that then to release more of the, those judgments. And this is a beautiful thing with the, the mind. Mind doesn't like open-ended things. It doesn't like things that are loosey-goosey. So if you, and this is why when we're stuck in our head, it tries to kind of compartmentalize everything. It tries to close things off very quickly. And this is where we make judgments very quickly. Um, but if we understand that, then we can use it to our advantage. So we ask these questions that we send our mind off on these uh, treasure hunts to find solutions and find answers but we perceive them from our heart then they come uh, from a more a purer place than if we're stuck in our heads so asking these questions like oh interesting i wonder where this opinion or this judgment came from now your mind is going to run off trying to find where it came from right and we'll present the answer to you so it's important to understand what judgment means to us. Now, truth, obviously, when we experience things and we see reality and perceive reality, that is our truth. But what is truth? Is there an absolute truth? So if you feel like it, go to our website, thealchemyexperience.co.uk, click on the blog section and search up truth as a paradox. And you can read my thoughts on that, but I'll bring it up in a short, short kind of uh, uh, explanation here. So truth is whatever the uh, eye of the beholder says it is, right? So truth is never going to be absolute, at least in this experience. It might be in some other higher realm or dimension or whatever we want to uh, uh, look at it as. Um, you know, for a lot of people that have an idea of what God is, I'm sure there is an absolute truth. Um, but in this experience, as we're perceiving things in this reality construct that we each live in, truth is a paradox. And when we can understand that, we can then start having empathy for other people's ideas. Because we're not so attached and married to the pursuit of our own truth. 
but we can accept that our truth is one amongst many, 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 many other truths out there. And we don't get so attached to that our truth is the one that has to be recognized. So I, that's why on these discussions, I always welcome people to, you know, have come with your own truths. Because that is going to enrich my life. It's going to enrich everybody else's lives. I'm just here to share my truth. And I'm not saying it's necessarily the only one. I'm not saying it's the right one. It's one of them, right? So understanding what truth means to you and the fact that truth is an illusion as well. Because it is going to be different from whomever has the idea of truth. Now, how do you identify, if we look at your perceptive or perception of reality, how do you identify uh, the reality that you want to be in and the one that you don't want to be in. Because if I go through life suffering a lot, that is my reality. Now, do I like this reality or don't I? Is, are there things I want to change? Now, if I look at my external world, I probably have the notion that I can't do anything about it. I can't control it. Because I haven't been able to control anything in my life because I'm always suffering. I'm always in pain. Now, it's when we are able to say, you know what? I don't like this pain. I don't like this suffering. What can I do about it? If we're able to ask that question, we can then turn around and start saying, okay, what else don't I like about my life? And it's not necessarily that it's good or bad. It's just that this doesn't resonate with me. It's not the path that I want to be on. So then change your path. So how are you going to do that? That's for another discussion, but... Hopefully this conversation has been able to uh, evoke or trigger or challenge questions within you to say, hmm, interesting. How do I perceive my reality? What is my reality? How do I perceive things? Do I hold judgment? Am I... Am I, uh, you know, attached to my truth? All of these things will help you to turn around and say, you know what? Perhaps I want to expand. Perhaps I want to do this. Or perhaps you're entirely, perfectly happy where you're at. Whatever you experience and whatever you have, that is going to be perfectly fine because it is your experience. It is your reality. Because perception is your reality, not mine. And to thank you all for joining us today and sharing your stories. And thank you for bringing your beautiful energies. And uh, uh, hope to see you next week. Have a wonderful week weekend, everybody. And uh, we'll see you next week. Take care now. So that is why I put the uh, title for this episode as 
perception is your reality. The traditional saying is, of course, perception is reality, but the problem is that there is no absolute truth when it comes to reality, because it is your perception and my perception and everybody else's individual perception or their reality that is their reality. So as you can hear, when we're moving into some of these more challenging topics uh, where we're really talking about terrible violence, terrible terror, so forth, that it, we, we also see that it is very, very important to not have judgment or carry judgment about ourselves and others, whether we are the ones experience, being the victim of those experiences or uh, someone else's being. It, is whatever that we are experiencing and how we perceive that experience that ultimately is going to become the truth of our own experience. I'm aware this topic certainly is a mind twister and it, uh, it, but it is an important one to allow us to kind of dive into the thinking and look at ourselves and reflect on ourselves, how we experience the the life that we're living and that experience is through our perception so how do I perceive my experience and how can I change my perception of things that I have experienced because that is then going to shift how I'm going to see the future and see the present uh, state of my experiences it is complicated it is challenging so if you feel that you'd like some help in sorting through all these concepts and work it out for yourself and build a tool chest for yourself to use as you go through life then feel free to uh, visit our website thealchemyexperience.co.uk click on the uh, 30 minute or to click on the link to uh, book a 30 minute uh, free consultation to explore how we might be able to uh, work through some of these challenges together I thank you for taking time to share this space with us today as you're listening to this podcast and uh, hope to uh, see you for the next episode. We release them 11.11 British time uh, a.m. every uh, British time every Friday. So uh, we'll see you then. Take care for now. Bye.